0: Welcome to a new episode of the Creative Industry Insight podcast, I'm your host Bobby. Today we welcome cinematographer Sophia Olsen, who joins us to talk about her work on season six, episode one of The Crown. Sophia will talk us through her experiences of working on the show and the creative decisions that she made. Please be warned that are heavy spoilers in this episode. Now let's jump into the conversation with Sophia. Hi Sophia, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. We're excited to sit down and talk about the first part of the late, the last series of The Crown, uh, specifically talking about uh, episode one, which had its release a week today. Yes, the fifteenth was last week. Seventeenth uh, mm. was last week, so it was uh, uh, a week today. I feel like this block of film, block block of episodes, feels like it's like kind of more of a, a movie than anything. Because it, even though it's all sort of building up to this one conclusion um, of the story, before we sort of jump into uh, how you got onto the project, uh, how you found the re- reaction to the episode, or to the first sort of four episodes, should I say? Sorry.
1: I mean, I've I mostly actually heard about the first episode because I've, I've heard people that have commented or or called me or written to me, and it can be friends or or. or colleagues and and they've they've been very positive I guess the ones that are not positive they're not contacting me so <laughs> they don't have to either if they don't like it that's fine no it, it, it's been it's been positive but again I mean I, I've I've re- also read the reviews and they've been very mixed and I know that it's been that's something else is of course the whole first part um but no it, it's been good for me, yeah.
0: Because The Crown, it feels like it's been building up to this sort of uh, event of what happens in, especially like when I look at it as well, it's like it was quite a defining moment in history and when I was growing up. So I guess it's very, people are always going to be curious about how it's going to be handled and dealt with. And I think as well, like, especially with how they don't show the accident itself in terms of like you're just the sort of audience member outside like we're following a guy walking his dog and he hears it and you just see all these um mopeds um and scooters fly past and even though we know what's going on at the same time you have that moment of like what on earth because you don't because you don't know who's in the car uh, audience members do but somebody like him he doesn't know and he doesn't know what's going on it just feels like uh, the silence of Paris has been disrupted
1: I'm happy to hear that what you said there the silence of Paris being disrupted yeah because that's also what we were aiming for when we were planning on how to shoot it to to shoot the the opening that it's to, to keep it quite dry and calm and, and Seeing this man walking with his dog and not not tracking with and doing these things, but just staying very still and observe him mostly from, from the distance. I mean, like, like in the beginning, we just see his feet inside, uh, stepping out with the dog, and you and and we also many times on level with the dog as well. We didn't really want to see the face of, of the of the man, of the French man. Uh, I mean, we do see his face later on, but but not to emphasize on that. Like being wider and then maybe going closer. Then we're mostly on the dog, and through that, hoping to just like you said, this everyday thing, this every a man walking with his dog, and then this um, of course horrible accident happens. But it's also having many of the shots. Many people, I guess, are thinking about the accident and the people that have followed the crown, and of course know what happened in real life. But it is then also like finding the locations for where he's walking and and, and, and what to emphasize on. And also, I remember when we found the location under uh, a bridge, for example, where he's standing and trying to have the dog peeing to pee, but the dog doesn't want to. Um, and then just having the, the dramatic environment that is there and it's also under something in the darkness. And that's of course what's gonna happen later on as well with the tunnel, not that it's that specific, but still that there's something coming. And also we're having like on the, in that particular shot, we there's um, a boat passing by which there is in Paris, where they have these headlights uh, showing for tourists at night, tourist boats. But this is our own boat with our own lights, so it's passing by, and then the lights coming, and later on that will be also the cars passing by and everything. So trying to point that out discreetly without writing anybody on their noses, and yeah,
0: this is like a everyday everyday occurrence like what's being shown it's like an everyday occurrence for this guy that at a certain time he needs to walk his dog there's probably the same spots where the dog is like oh you know go go do your business like so we can go back home um and there's also pointing even though you're having those uh specific landmarks like the boat i actually been on that boat before um so it's funny how you mentioned that because it takes me back to like when i was or 11 at school and we did the tour uh going across uh paris um i have i have no recollection um of it because it was raining that day so probably wasn't that great <laughs> to be on a boat but neither here or there and i think it's really smart to sort of go with and uh, like give the audience to know that this is like a, a extraordinary situation happening to an ordinary people in terms of like uh all of this sort of commotion and this crash and it's like as you said as we mentioned as well as like disturbing the peace of what's happening uh, in Paris at the time. Before we dive more into the episode um, I just want to know like how did the project come about and what made you want to take it on?
1: I was uh, contacted by the director Alex Gabassi who had done two episodes in season five as well Uh, and uh, he was searching for a cinematographer for to work with him on season six. And um, he had found out about me, and he had liked what he had seen, so we had a talk, just on Zoom, and after that, he got uh, links to, to most of my work, and then he wanted to work with me, and then I had to talk to two producers at to the production company, Left Bank and then they had to check out if I was okay <laughs> so they had to contact producers I had worked with before and after that it was a green light and why I wanted to do it I mean it, it is um, especially after talking to Alex and also talking about the characters and talking about how to how, I mean I didn't have a script at that point, you you're not giving a script at that point, uh, and it wasn't ready either. I don't think it was, but it's more as well that just us talking about about the story and uh, the crowd itself, and again about the characters and everything, and how he felt. And I think that was a really good conversation about those things, and also just loosely how we could portray it. I mean, we definitely didn't go into, into details, and of course not at that point but still having a discussion about what we liked what we preferred and films and so on yeah and that made me want want to do it definitely yeah and it's also I mean the thing is I, I come I've done mostly features uh, this is my first tv series was of course a fantastic tv series to start with I must say yeah
0: I guess sometimes it's like you get those calls and it's a bit like of course, yeah, you know, I get, you know, especially with something like The Crown that has been very popular on Netflix. And even if it has uh, a lot of chatter, if it's positive or negative about it, it, a lot of people do watch it. So I guess it's like another way of like, wow, well, people see my work. But then also, yeah, so, go on, sorry, go on, go on.
1: No, no, because I was just thinking also the way it's been told, the way it's been shot. It's, of course, different different directors, different DOPs and everything, but uh, what I what I've liked because I I hadn't seen everything from The Crown when I was contacted, but what I have liked when it comes to the cinematography is that it it gives space to, I mean it, it works a lot with framings. Um, of course, everybody works with framing, so maybe that's a really stupid comment to say. But but it has this mixture of very specific framings and storytelling and dramatic lighting but at the same time realistic feeling over it of course it's nothing close to realism but but still it has it doesn't romanticize too much I think it's many times beautiful and so on but it's still not going into these to heightened or enlightened things when they, when it's like this big beam coming through a window with a lot of smoke in it and so on. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but that's that's what I like that they have chosen not to do the crown to keep the the dryness and, and part of realism still in it. And I think that's for me a big strength of the cinematography or the, or the the visual storytelling of the crown in general.
0: I think as well, like when you're mentioning sort of framing and the visual nature of it and, and also in like the sort of production design and set decorating because i think
2: Definitely. in
0: your in your episode this is i think what sort of sticks out most is that there's like a really big contrast con- contrast sorry um between sort of like old money and then slightly new money so we have charles and Cavilla with their party where they have like a big marquee and the way that it's been lit with all these uh uh, uh, so I, I don't know the technical term, so you, excuse me about this. So if I'm butchering it, sorry, but they use the certain light bulbs at the top of the marquee to light them, and they they have a certain different sort of warm lighting to it. Whilst then, um, when you go to sort of the the yachts and in Saint Tropez in France, it's very bright. It's very everything's very decadent. everything's sort of more. We need to we're showing off our wealth in a different sort of manner. And on top of that, like there's certain ways that scenes have been framed that um, the characters are in the middle of the frame rather than on the sides in the rule of uh, thirds. So you're sometimes watching watching what's happening in front of you, but then something's just happening uh, to the right or the left of the picture. So near the end of the episode where Dodie's come back onto the uh, yachts and he's having a drink and then we don't realize that Diana's just a little bit towards a little bit to the the right of the frame on the piano and it's like those sort of moments where you kind of see the massive difference in uh, worlds of what's happening as well
1: yes and and I mean it is as well this Obvious uh, thing with the climate, of course. With, with Diana going to to south of France um, and to the luxury there, but also the sun and the heat and, and and the happiness and everything. And then, on the other hand, is Camilla and Charles who are in, in, in the countryside in gloomy Britain, Britain, sometime, somewhere, and finding out their relationship and. So that's also something that we were very aware of, just how we wanted to tell the story. And we we also and we I mean that's of course me and Alex. And it's also this feeling of that there isn't that much sun, not at least not as much as in the southern France. Uh, and it, it's colder and grayer and and everything, but but they're still finding Camilla and, and Charles are finding their love and safety and everything there uh, and Diana is in a way searching for hers and I guess as well just wanting to get out of all the craziness in in the UK so that is also different then again with with the with, uh, the type of lighting and, and maybe some softer lighting as well in with Camilla and Charles and this huge windows and The colors are more damp and it's much brighter in many ways, both, you know, being when Diana is Mohammed's villa in the south of France with its bright yellow color of the whole building and then all the pink, red flowers and everything that is very strong and intense compared then to Charles and Camilla's place where it's much more damp colors. That is a huge difference that is going, going back and forth, which we of course then enhanced as well, lighting wise. And well, now, now I'll just jump into the villa because I also remember this when, when Diana, for example, is out on the, on the backside and then that, and then her son is on the inside gaming because he doesn't want to come out because of all the paparazzi that are everywhere. So that's also the like, it's always this, I think, when you're trying, to find where to shoot and how to shoot it together with the director um, is what you want to show and what does it tell and and, um, in in the framings and which is of course happening there as well when she's on this beautiful spot in front of a a swimming pool and and, and, uh, but her son is inside in the dark which I guess would be quite common for a teenager in general but he is actually hiding because he doesn't want to be out because of all the paparazzis. And and he's he's in the dark and you can also see it um on how he seems to be doing throughout these episodes, William, is that he's not dealing very well with this whole situation,
2: which is of course easy to understand
1: when your mom is meeting someone new that you don't really like either. And then we're also like you were mentioning, by the frames there we're showing also the extravaganza or how you say it in English, uh, of Mohammed's house and the pool and the flowers and everything is very thought of uh, to be special and big and dramatic uh, with a lovely production design and then to be able to find the angles to enhance
2: that.
0: Yes, and I think you can see the difference as well and there's the, the scene that always kind of sticks out to me a little bit as well in terms of Lighting and how things look is when Charles receives a call from the Queen uh, asking about the party, and you can just tell by the colours and the way that they're sitting by a fire and that how lights that they have whilst sitting by the fire uh, going off. You can, there's like a beautiful hue around it as well. Um, I don't know if that's added in with uh, when they do the uh, colouring in edits, but it's also then whilst you're sort of watching that, you could kind of see the uh, richness of the scene as well, even though it is uh, a little bit, uh, it's low lit.
1: I think, I mean, that scene is definitely, I mean, the way we've lit it, it's just to keep the coziness, just of really feeling um, the two of them finally having each other, even though the Queen hasn't accepted their relationship, which she's then going to call and more or less Say that she's in favor of of the relationship or how you say it in English, but uh yeah it, it's supposed to have th- this cozy feeling of the two of them, being with the right partner, the one that's right for you, you're just just sitting by the fire and reading and feeling that you're on the right place uh so that's the feeling of that scene with that warm light, and I think in general throughout the the this episode. Maybe even more in episode eight that's coming later. Not to be afraid of, of going dark and uh, staying low lit. I know the crown has done that a lot. So it's not that there's anything new, but that was one of the things we talked specifically about um, while, while shooting and also in prep. And of course we had the, the fire adding because it's, it, it's a, a living light that they're sitting in front and also that the, the room is so with the brown walls and everything that adds to the warmth but at the same time not wanting to have too many um completely dead spots like that where that where it's almost black you know just still keeping so it's like the whole room is warm and cozy yeah
2: yeah you have
0: that sort of uh that um you're keeping that warmth and that sort of more yeah the homeliness and keeping in in tune with that this is a lived-in area it's not just a set that's been uh, built up what i'm curious to know about as well because in this first four sets of episodes there are there are different directors and deep and cinematographers do you guys ever sort of all sit down and discuss a, all decide a look to sort of settle on. But then, how do you go about uh, keeping the consistent look, but then also adding your own sort of um, your adding
2: your own um, sprinkle your own sort of touch on it?
1: Yeah, that's interesting because we we uh, we did talk. I mean, the other three episodes. It's Adriano and who. From the beginning, has been with the crown. He was the one that started up the conceptual DOP way back, and uh, and so he's he's the reason the crown looks the way it does. And I think he's done a, a great great job. Um So for this season, we did meet up and talk, like the directors and the DPs, and at the same time. We, I mean, I don't really recall if we we didn't make any rules, like strict rules that we have to do it like this or we have to use these kind of lenses and everything. It's it's. I mean, of course, we had a set of lenses that was decided since before because they've changed every other season. So so for season five and six, it was mainly Cook S4s. So they're kind of vintage nowadays these lenses but not super vintage like the first season uh where they had had even older cooks so we had the cook as force i mean we, we. i just remember talking about different things and talking about the episodes and uh briefly together and not making up any specific rules no and that's also one thing that I really liked coming into the Crown actually it's it's of course has its own expression and everything but the interesting thing is that um there's still so many things that has changed throughout um the seasons uh and every DP and and uh, director has made their own language but it, it's still so prominent where you are and where you're filming so it just works, uh, I think. And that what I liked is also that you have such freedom. Again, this so with, this is my first TV series. And when you do a feature, it's of course that you have to make it from scratch. You have to find out really how you want to do it, and you have all choices in the world, but you have to narrow down to how you're going to do it. Uh, and I had no idea how how um, strict it would be. How how limited we would be in how we want to do it and i was just happy surprised happily surprised
2: that there was actually no limit and so how we ended up doing it uh,
1: was just the way we wanted to do it and and there were no interference in any way um if we should change it or something something but so i i think that's a strength I would say from the producers and the production behind the crown is that I feel they give, at least my experience, that they give a lot of creative freedom
2: uh, that they trust their creative partners, which means
1: I had, I'm usually used to operate myself. I mean, I'm, I'm from Scandinavia and that's usually how we do it here. And also when I go away and shoot things, it's, I usually operate myself. And here you have two, always you have two operators, uh, great all the time. Uh, I worked with four different operators and they were all fantastic. And then, and then you have a whole set around them, you know, with, with, with the grips and the systems and everything. And the comment there is that um, you can use them if you want to, or you can, shoot yourself you can do two cameras or one camera and operate yourself or or not it's completely up to you and so they're always giving you the the trust in what you believe is the best for for the episode or or you and the director so so i think that's a huge thing actually um that you i didn't feel cornered in any way so it, it was great in that sense and then me and alex Talk about different things and and how we want to do it, and then again keep the darkness, and then also really focus on getting close to uh, the lead characters and and not doing too much with too long too much of, of the longer lenses uh, which you easily end up doing, especially when you have two cameras. so some, in some situations it was very difficult for us if we wanted to use two cameras, and obviously this with being able to use two cameras. And for me, not having to operate one of the cameras, but for me to actually be able to look at the shots and then be in dialogue with the operators is some bonus shots that you can get that you maybe wouldn't have time to do otherwise if it was just a one camera shoot. And that I really, really liked because the crown has, you have time to shoot. It is like a, a feature. I mean, it's you don't have to rush it. So then you have time to. You don't have to cover yourself. And maybe in some situations you do, but <clears throat> many times you can use the two cameras into maybe lifting the scene and getting that little extra. Maybe that's a camera standing around the corner and it, it's not shooting anything until the end of that setup. Then, but then they're getting a very specific shot that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise.
2: So. That's, yeah, that's a big goal. I guess as well, like
0: having, so just sort of going by what you're first saying about working on a feature compared to a TV series. With the, as I said, with the feature, you have to sort of narrow it down to what would be the most efficient thing uh when you're working on a feature compared to a TV series um, and how you sort of, in the future, you're there from A to Z, whilst on the TV series, it might be from A to C. And so you need to sort of be more uh, practical about your choices and uh, whatnot. But I think as well, like when you're working on a TV series where they already have a uh, certain look that's been set, um, it probably takes a bit of time to sort of um, study what people have done and their light lighting techniques and... Not necessarily like copying it, but uh keeping in the same sort of tone um in what's been come before, then also adding your own little spin um with that. And then when you're saying about um lens choices, I think it's very it's I, I find when DOPs talk about lenses and choices and positioning of cameras and movement and whatnot really, really interesting because it's it's just like you you're you're the final thing of what an audience member will see in terms like visual wise of what you're capturing um and with lenses there's so much that you can really take in or show with the audience so even if it is like as just as just an example, like if you have like a zoom lens, you can really pull um distance of what somebody here see sees, or if you're doing like an extreme close up then you can have a uh eighty five mil lens on and really capture uh certain uh characteristics of a person and I guess with uh here on like the
2: crown it's um there's a lot of
0: you do see a lot of uh, reaction shots, but then also it's like the the use of a sort of as he said, like an a an an old school lens when it's not an old school lens, um you can kind of see quite a lot with what's going on.
1: I mean the choice of lens for season five and six is of course not mine because I came in on season six. But but I it's like the cook as fours. I mean that we were shooting with, they are lenses that, that are a bit old now, even. But they're not being again like super old and and becoming a like an effect. But it's just semi old, which makes them a bit softer, and they're usually a bit warmer. But that you can adjust easily in the grading, so that's not a big thing. But it is just that it has another way of, um, and also breaking the lights and everything. And I do like the quick lenses in general. So I guess the S4s feel quite, um, normal in a way today, especially, specifically when you're shooting digitally, which is mostly what you do nowadays. Um, then the choice of lenses become even more important, I would say, because film adds its own, its own texture and how it's breaking, um, the colors and what's happening in the chemical process that when you shoot it digitally, it is just so, so sharp and so, so clear. That is many times, many times that can be quite frustrating because it becomes too realistic it's like i just recently shot a feature thing that we shot on on 16mm in iceland and then all of a sudden it's just it, it's another thing that happens and the end it's um, which is was perfect
2: for this production but it's of course different on every film even if it's a feature or a television yeah. uh
0: yeah and there's a lot of it, it, i guess it's like it's always going to be different choices of what people want to go for in terms of looks or what they want to uh, show uh, on the screen. Um, but what I'm also curious about, because there is a lot of natural light, uh in this episode in terms of you see them on the yachts or Diana going towards the paparazzi or even like shots uh, from boats where you're like kind of seeing it from the paparazzi's point of view. Um, what I'm curious about is, like, when it comes to lighting those sets—not that those not sets, sorry, those scenes—how do you go about it with, like, the sun being in the sky, and how do you go about not sort of like chasing your tail to overcomplicate it?
1: I mean, in general, we were following the sun, which means if you take, for example, the scene when Diana uh, actually takes the boat out to the paparazzi. And she comes around the corner of uh these mountains, and then she comes towards us and and that is uh shot in the closer to the to the evening so the so the sun is not that high, and most of all she's packing so so that's of course a choice of what time of the day should we shoot this and where so then we had this area where we were shooting almost everything that was on the yacht or or it's it's all quite close to the build the house that is Mohammed's villa also where we were shooting the the yacht scenes but also this when she came so then she comes around the corner and then she's being backlit from the sun and it's later in the day so the sun is a bit lower it's a bit warmer and and not as sharp as it is uh, early in the day so that we could control and then shooting other directions there, we could, we could just move the boats or just move the boats. It was crazy, <laughs> actually, because there were so many boats. And as you know, uh, boats move when they're also still on the water. So some of them we could anchor, many of them we couldn't. So yeah, that was a struggle of, of getting the shots we wanted. And, and I mean, being there, we shooting quite, uh, so that's the light there and then, and then just regular bounds. Uh, but most of all, I mean, it is the sun that is dictating when we're shooting and what directions we shoot uh, because that's a big light that we can't move, so we have to move. And there as well, when we were on the boats, we were also just um, all the many of these paparazzi scenes. There we have A lot of long lenses, and that is, of course, also just to get more into this stressful feeling of the paparazzi. And and it doesn't have to be the paparazzi's lens, but but it's it is a little bit. So we're we're almost becoming the paparazzi, the way we're shooting it. Also, when she comes up there, it's quite long lenses and and being also far away, maybe sensing some of the paparazzi in the foreground and everything. So kind of becoming more hectic and intense by using the long lenses there, and also in other paparazzi situations. But it's also like, for example, when we're on the yacht, it's a lot of the natural lighting when we're, because it's a lot of it is outside. Uh, And luckily, we could move the the boat. So the boat was always uh, moving. So we got the light where we wanted it to be. It takes a while to adjust this big of a boat to turn around and do all these things. And then it, of course, floats again. So, uh, yeah, so that's how we did it. So we could get the sun where we wanted. And it was mostly sun when we were
2: down in Mallorca shooting those scenes. They were supposed to be self france um, uh, The uh, magic will oh, go on.
1: Yeah. No, I was just thinking because there's all, it's also interesting this when you go uh, finding out things and going to locations and and finding out that oh maybe it's better to actually shoot here or there or have instead of the way it was written in, in the script and so on so so there were a lot of things there where where Alex the director changed and or or checked with with the script writer if it was okay to change and everything and and so many of them did change and for example we knew that on the boat she was there were being so much outside and. The interior of the boat has some crazy interior on the boat. So, for example, that changed. So the
2: um, piano scene, when they have their long talk, then got changed into being inside and being more intimate
1: and more private and calmer and not being outside in the scorching sun all the time. So, uh, and then there was this grand piano and then Alex... And then thought of all these things that maybe she should then be playing the piano. Did Diana play the piano? And so on. And, they, and then the research said she did and so on. So it ended up being that. And then the, the, the scene to find out, okay, so like you were mentioning that scene earlier, when Dody comes back from being on this tiny boat with Kelly. Uh, and then him standing by the bar and then she just, something moves in the background. You can't really tell. But that's her sitting by the piano. So what was great with that scene was then to start bigger and then go smaller. And then throughout the scene, which is very intimate and and, and how they have very different fathers, but they understand each other, how both of them always wanted to please their fathers. Uh, And then they get closer and closer and then it becomes close up, close up towards the end, where they're all of a sudden without having the kids around and, or the action it's just the two of them inside. And they have this grand piano behind, between them, where they, Diana is kind of hiding behind the piano beginning. And then they just get closer and closer. And did, and I think that works very well in the sense of, did that be, well, that being a dramatic scene, a lot of movements, a lot of, but there's still a little bit of movement and focus on
2: the story and the actors and the acting and their connection and then yeah then it's the ending that um alex has pointed out
1: this that he really liked uh, that she has to go past him and it's very narrow yeah that she diana has to go past Ollie. um they're very close and then and that's kind of when maybe the first spark is started and, and uh, again, that's also what what locations do that they, when they can inspire to other things. And, and the the piano was bolted into the boat, so you couldn't move it. Either. you just had to find your ways
0: around it. I think as well that's like that's the magic of filmmaking that you can shoot in one country to make it look like a, another country. And um, unless if you're going frame by frame, you could probably point something out that's wrong. Um, but Definitely, you know we don't we don't watch films like that, um, so won't we'll be noticing that. But so that's the first point. The second point as well, I think, with the idea of like uh, being on water as well, and ch- uh, you having that sort of set, a finite amount of time because you are chasing the sun and uh, having your uh, what's it called, you must be so prepped and planned for that scene. Um, because it's going to be like a look. We only have a uh, a certain amount of time. We need to go in, shoot, go out, and that's it. And then continue. Try get as much as we can over the how many days we have this plant.
1: Yes, I mean this scene when they had their talk around the grand piano, for example. I mean that 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 is a quite uh, long dialogue. I I, I would guess it's probably the the most massive dialogue scene for um episode 1 and then i think it's that's the thing as well you also have to of course choose what is the focus with the scene and and what is the meaning of the scene and 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 uh here it is uh, more to find a a good base a good ground for the actors um to do that scene and to have time to to perform and be present in the acting. So then you you don't wanna complicate
2: the cinematography too much either, because that's just gonna be annoying. So so it's quite
1: you know, so so you have time to what is important for that specific scene. And then there can be another scene where it's just one shot that takes forever because then maybe that's, for that scene, that is important. So it's always to find out where to push things and, and where not to, and to, to get the best out of what you want to tell.
2: I think it's done really well in the
0: scene and it's um sort of going from sort of more wilder moments of like the paparazzi or the kids running around having fun Going to those more quiet and intimate moments, and then it kind of leads to that final scene of where Diana walks into the um, room full of roses, and the uh, with the and the opening of the Cartier ro- watch. Sort of, as you said, you have that spark, and then you see it sort of ignite in a way uh, with that scene with the roses, which kind of leads me to the question as well. Like, it, when you're shooting a scene with roses like that. Are the flowers fake or real? Because if they're real, it must be quite difficult for everybody to keep the continuity of them looking sort of like healthy and alive uh, before the lights sort of uh, drain them too much of, the lights drain like the water and sort of like cook them a little bit.
1: I mean, the 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 thing is with the crown, it, it's it's real, <laughs> definitely. The, I mean, just in general, there are some, Incredible, uh, flower decorations throughout the seasons. I mean, just looking when you're at the castle and everything, there's just, they're fantastic and they're real. And, it's, and the same here. So luckily today, I mean, the lighting wise, we, the lights are not so warm nowadays because you don't have as many tungsten lights in general. So yeah, they're just, Hanging in there. And, 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 and I mean, this was a, of course, part of a day shoot to shoot these flowers. So, so they, you just have the, them keeping track on which ones are the happiest ones. Let's have them in front and then the sad one ones the hide in the background where we don't sense them as much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I get again magic of filmmaking, hiding, uh, rearranging them and making them look uh, slightly different. Definitely. Just to sort of come to my final question: um, What was your favourite scene to to shoot?
1: Oh, I should have thought of that.
0: I think this is the one question that catches everybody off guard because it's always (laughs) because you're always going to be proud of all of it, right? But at the same time, it's yeah. like it's like well, uh, do I? Which one do I choose? what do, it's like picking your favorite child, basically.
1: Yeah, and it's also because you know we were shooting episode eight,
2: so I had them both in my head, and I think because I think in episode eight I kind of know. Um, trying to, cause it, have you thought of anything that you? What well, my favourite scene. Um
1: Like like more visually or yeah.
0: I think so I think the party scene of where they're dancing is yeah. um is one that's quite great visually just because of the lighting in terms of um how they the with the bulbs um above them and lighting this sort of greenhouse marquee uh, effectively and it looks Uh, it has that really nice warmth to it and that feel Mm. of it's just a really nice time for a party and you can tell that people Mm. are there even though you know there's like an underlining unacceptance of Camilla but it's sort of it's uh, in as the kids say it's good vibes um yes (laughs) and I think that that's one of them another one is the framing of when Charles is with his advisors and they're talking about the newspapers, yes. and talking about the different ways of like air quotes the war that they're doing uh, amongst one another, um, and how various newspapers are printing various things. I really like the framing of how Charles is in the middle and he's kind of yeah, and the the two the two advisors are on either side of the frame i've always liked that sort yeah. of framing and i feel like that's a yeah. very uh, powerful might not be the right word but it's more the that there's like you're as an audience as well you kind of feel like you're summoned in front of uh the, the actor whilst he's addressing you as well so you're like more. you kind of feel more vicariously involved and I think uh the third one is when Dodie and his fiancee are arguing and
1: Yeah. On the because, boat on, on the, the boat end, because walk, yeah.
0: because there's no camera movement, there's nothing there that that could be a scene that could be easily done where it'll be quick cuts of like uh over the shoulder, over the shoulder there, wide But Whilst here the camera's just stationary so you're just watching it unfold like you're not supposed to be there um, and then also with the sound taken out as well um, really enhances that experience as well
1: I agree, I really um, there are definitely a couple of things but what I also do like with what you're saying that, that scene is also the, the contrast of how you're telling the story of of uh, Kelly and that situation through location and uh, uh the visual storytelling as well. Um, I mean, through the, the script and and the visual uh,
2: script, you could say.
1: Because of the contrast that she's uh, Kelly, the fiancé of Dodie, that she's coming to visit him but she's not allowed to be on the same boat so she has a much smaller boat it's a yacht it's not tiny but it's much smaller than this uh, mansion of a yacht that Mohammed has where Dodi and Diana and the boys are staying so the great thing here because this when we're shooting the scene we hadn't had a chance to be on the boat before we we're going to shoot it so we had only Alex, the director, and I only have thoughts on how we thought we might do it. And then stepping on the boat, that was just so difficult with with making it organically work and and feeling right. So we, so we tried some things and we tried in another, and then we just had to say, this doesn't work. I mean, we started to, how we would shoot it and, and did some tests. And this was on the day of shooting. So it was kind of like, uh, quite stressful. Uh, because it's such an important scene and, and we had talked as well a lot uh, about the Kelly character. Um so she just doesn't only become this man, money grabbing character, but she's not. She's actually in love with Doddy and she feels him stepping away so she's desperate. Because um um it was just important that um you understood her as a character as well. Which you do, I think, in the scene when she's calling Dottie before she goes there. And when she's calling him and asking what's actually, what's going on, what's happening, she's calling from her apartment. And uh, he's more or less lying and she's kind of facing him about his lie. And I think those small things, what's happening there when we're really close to her, there with a wider lens, So you're in her face. You're not just standing at a distance. You're with her. I think that little thing with her beautiful acting um, makes us understand that this is very real and she's very much in love.
2: And of course she doesn't want to lose him. You're supposed to get married in a few weeks. So having that and
1: hopefully that the audience have had that connection with her
2: as a person.
1: Then getting to this boat, when we see uh, Dordie, who has then been in the huge yacht, going to this smaller yacht, and then we're actually underground. There are no windows, or we don't see any windows. There is this tiny, tiny corridor, and at the end is the room where Kelly is waiting for Dordie. And I totally agree with this. Just staying there, staying on the distance, and then seeing how they're Struggling with with their relationship, how she's desperately trying to reach into him and and uh, to make him understand, and just staying there with the camera, not tracking, not doing anything, just being there and letting it play out. I do like that scene, and I also do like how they chose to edit it, Uh, and also with the sound and everything. I completely agree because I mean the next cut, if I remember correctly, that's after that argument that ends up in them uh, kissing uh, and then him leaving the boat behind and then
2: his uh, having the drink, and him and Diana are having their long talk. I think that works very well. And also
1: that's the contrast again of him having to hide Kelly or Kelly having to accept being hidden and then you understand maybe her desperation more and more and then Ending up in this fancy room with a
2: grand piano uh, at Mohammed's uh, ship. No, I agree. I, I do like that, and it's it's it's
1: interesting. This with finding out how to shoot a scene. It can be some scenes need so many shots, and then some scenes is just a single shot, and then the whole story is there.
2: I can imagine,
0: like as when you're discussing with the director and planning out how you're going to shoot out scenes, like sometimes you could meticulously plan it uh, with storyboards and how you want to have everything look, then sometimes stepping on location or a set, um, or a set build, sorry, um, it can all change like that. And you think, "Oh, how can we do this? Or even timing of how long you might have with actors. Um, And I particularly like that Dodie one where, you see that contrast of like you're being on a air quotes smaller boat, even though it's still a yacht, it's still uh, probably in real life worth more than I'll ever have in my life. Um, but it's still that sort of contrast of not being on the main boat and not having that, uh, you know, being like hidden away from the world uh, effectively um, sort of scenario.
1: And that's again, as well, this then we sense that, that it's, probably underwater where Kelly is residing. But at the same time with the long corridor, I think that makes it even more claustrophobic and and, uh, more dense in how they are pressured in their
2: relationship throughout this whole setup from Mohammed Hayed with Dodi and uh, Diana. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and I think you kind of, you you're 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 not as a fly on the wall you're not supposed to see it, but um you're there anyway, um, taking it all in. And I, I yeah, as I said, that's probably one of my favourite ones. Um, but it yeah. Go on, sorry.
1: No no but but it's so interesting. Uh and I think that I mean that's a part of, of filmmaking is this to to always be open when you're on uh, when you're filming and you always have to be because you, you can plan into details or maybe you've decided not to plan into details that's also many times that's actually up to to the director how they feel the best when they're working if it's if it's like plan into this detail that some like and some maybe wants to have more freedom from the beginning because they feel uh, locked in if it's been planned too much but no matter what, you always have to be open for changes because it is always this that maybe what you have planned doesn't work, and you have to be so focused on the the film or the story that you have to not be afraid of saying, "I don't think this is working. We need to change," and maybe that's gonna feel annoying or for for people because they don't understand maybe they don't understand why because they've got the setup was good. But if it doesn't feel right and if you have the time to change, then you kind of have to do that. And and um the scene again that you're mentioning is exactly that. That we just had to change. And then we ended up in the corridor and shooting that shoot shot instead. Which I, I don't remember exactly, but I, I definitely think there are other places in, in the in these two episodes, where we did that as well, where we just had to change, and especially as a director, you really have to listen to your own gut feeling because many times it's right. But then at the same time, you also have, like, like for example, that shoot we almost went over time, but we didn't. The one on the boat, uh, and that is also one thing with with um, the crown that it, it's they're very, very, very uh, seldom you go over time. You really should never go overtime. And they're very strict about that. And I think that's a good thing for the whole crew that is working with this, like episode after episode after episode, because they should be able to keep their energy throughout 10 episodes. I'm just there for two, and Alex is just there for two. So, but but for them to be able to keep on working, you should really try, you should really not go overtime in general. Of course, it happens. But now I jump to something else, but yeah, it, you know. So, okay, what I meant about that is of that you should, of course, again listen to your gut and really try and and make it work and have see if there are things that you really have to change. Maybe a whole setup that is like it's not working. We have to do it like this instead. But if you're taking that choice together with the director, um, or if the directors have take that choice and then you support uh, him or her? That then you really need to find a solution so you can
2: make it work within the time frame as well. So it's like give and take. Yeah, it's a very
0: fine balancing act as well because you want to yeah. get what's correct but then also you be, uh, like be considerate about the time restraints and... Yeah, I can imagine that sometimes there's a lot sort of going on and especially if there's something that you need to change and have that, uh, what's it called? That quick, um, the sort of like actually you need to just go with a quick decision and go from there and see what happens and then hope for the mm. best that you can create what you can, what you can create. And as you said, go with that gut feeling. And I think somebody had told me as well, like uh, 90% of the time your gut feeling is always correct. Um, just need to sort of stick with it and go with it
1: it is and then uh, yes and I think it's I mean and then the gut feeling is different for different people but but you are only yourself and 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 you kind of follow your own your own gut feeling which is that is maybe the the style which you of course change from, from different films But at the same time, you, you have some kind of built in style as well of what you prefer. And that's the only gut feeling you can follow. And someone else would think of something else. Yes. But then that is matching that person's preferences or style. Yeah. Another director and the DP would have found
2: another solution, which would have been good for them. So it's always this, um, to find out what feels
1: Good for you. Sometimes, of course, you have to like. Okay, no, I can't. We don't have. I can't. We don't have time to to change this thing. And then you have to go with it. And then you have to decide when. How do you say when to when to do your battles or or
2: yeah yeah pick your battles yeah pick your battles yeah because it's not just that shot. It's everything around it, of course, which is the whole thing of, of.
1: film making film the the whole you're solving problems all the time there are always things coming up on set and then it's of course all the collaboration that you have with
2: so many brilliant people to make things work and hopefully listen to each other yeah
0: yeah exactly and on that note i think it's a very nice way to bookend uh, talking about uh, your work on the first part of the latest series of The Crown, which is streaming now on Netflix. And hopefully we can get you back for part two to talk about episode eight, if I'm correct.
2: Yes, that's correct.
0: As <laughs> a celebrate off screen. Thank you so much for your time today, Sophia. Um, Thank you so much. Very much appreciated. Um, as I said, The Crown's streaming now on Netflix and hopefully we'll have have you back for part two. You take care and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe, rate and review this podcast.